Hello, this is the Mindless Media Podcast. I'm CJ Simon, and I am joined today by... Lucy Berg and Tati. So, today we're talking about The First Purge, which isn't the First Purge movie, but the last Purge movie, which is about The First Purge, but not about The First Purge movie, uh, The First Purge within the Purge universe. And am I right in saying that? Somebody, somebody tell me I'm not a bit confused. This is the only Purge film I've watched, but... Yeah. This is the only Purge film you guys have watched? Yeah, I've never watched any of the other Purge films. What? You guys... Okay, well, with that in mind, because this is... Me and my mum are lovers of the Purge movies and lovers of the Purge universe. Um, what did you think about this movie and like the concept overall? Um, so when I first watched the movie, um, honestly, I did feel like you was watching the news. I thought it was very, very relevant to what's going on right now, especially with the riots and protests. Um, I liked it. It was it felt like there was a lot going on. Definitely the beginning bits were very like realist. And I was like, is this like based on life? <laughs> which I know it is but like I was like is that a clip from the real news at one point and then I realised it wasn't but I don't know it's not really my kind of film but I enjoyed it as an experience what it, not cut you're not your kind of film in that it's a horror movie or I don't like violence and horror okay okay <laughs> or was... baby <laughs> I was listening to a a horror podcast. They they like watch horror movies every every week. And me, I wouldn't. I don't like being scared, but I do like horror movies. Um, so go figure. But this didn't. It felt more like a, like a violent action movie. One thing I'd say about this movie is it's not subtle. Um, and if you, I'd love to to get you both to watch the actual first Purge movie, which is just called The Purge. Um, because that is one that is quite subtle. It's very different. It sets up the premise in a very different kind of way. Uh, is is the purge like a realistic thing? Like, could you imagine that happening? I can imagine people cooperating if it did happen, but I think I don't think it would actually happen. You know, it's a bit extreme. But I know that if people suggested it, like, there's a lot of people that would jump at the chance. <laughs> only last 12 hours i'm not sure i would risk my life for 12 hours that <laughs> doesn't sit right with me see that's what i i wouldn't purge in the sense of like going to murder anybody but like the amount of movies i could illegally download and not have any repercussions it'd be brilliant um i'd feel morally wrong but isn't that the whole point like the whole point is like there's you know there's no morality there's no laws um, but there, there's kids. always there's always morality, even if there's not law. Like you can still, I don't know. I'd still feel morally weird about it, even if it was legal for me to kill someone or steal stuff. I guess we should probably run through what this movie is about uh, for those who didn't know uh, and who don't know The Purge. So The Purge is a movie and a series where for one night for twelve hours, um, all crime is legal. Um, you can use most weapons, and it's it's mostly kind of to do with murder. And the first Purge is about the trial run of the purge where in does anybody remember the island staten island where on staten island a predominantly african-american community is the the trial battleground for this 24-hour freedom and we follow we follow a couple of characters but we mostly mostly follow this guy called um dimitri whose code name is big d and uh, as he and his guys uh, go about saving the ones he loves 
from the evil government. That feels is that like that's is that like a, a good gist? More or less, I would say. Yeah, basically. It's if if you've seen any of the Purge movies, it it feels like a Purge movie. It feels very yeah. It feels like a Purge movie. It's well directed. Some of the fight scenes are bloody brilliant. Um, but Lucy, you, 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 I wanted to start with your question because it was I, I found it quite interesting. It's a nice thing to start off from. Um, the first question, basically, was what I sort of said about when you asked me if it was realistic or not. Is like, would it be constitutionally possible to have a purge, to have 12 hours where basically the law wasn't a thing? Um, I'm leaning towards no. So I read an article about this and it it came to the conclusion that it wouldn't actually be possible because constitutionally they would have to make an amendment in order to pass the part basically and in order to do that they would have to get two thirds of both houses of congress which would never happen <laughs> <laughs> no it's yeah. so hard to pass an, like any amendment like you're not getting particularly radical amendments passed at the best of times well no some of the like so, and it's some of the amendments that have passed recently. I'm supposed to know this. I did this for, for A-level and I've kind of forgotten it all. But amendments kind of changing the way of life are very rare. Um, they're usually kind of very small, slight, tad kind of things that people can agree upon. Um, I mean, my big argument is not even getting it through the house, but the whole premise of the show is that a third party was able to just kind of like come out of nowhere and win an election, um, which in the UK is possible, but unlikely. In the US is like, there's no way impossible. any third party could could come in and just swoop um, some of the biggest states that you need to win, like California uh, or Florida or Nevada. I, I know my states. All right. Big man can name three states. <laughs> Maine, Big flex. Nebraska, Alabama. Anyway, all right. <laughs> the, the point, the point being, like, I don't know if that because you're right. The movie opens with this like newsreel of what was going on in the news, like kind of springing onto this this purge. But if I remember correctly, um, they were reporting outside of um, not testing centers, but where people applied to like participate. Yeah, participating centers. No, just uh, just a bit before that, where you had this kind of newsreel of unemployment. I think it was worse than it was in two thousand eight or something like that. Is that a good job on on like believability and realism? Like, is that I, I know both of you guys kind of hinted to like feeling like, oh yeah, this feels like it could have happened now. Like, is that is that why kind of they're they're alluding to um, contemporary issues? Mm, I would say so because they then like they needed a reason as to why people would agree to the monetary incentive to take part in the pride. And now that we are facing kind of similar economic and employment issues, no, I'm not asking you guys if there, if you think there's going to be a purge, but <laughs> is there going to be like, like how bad do you think the political um, reaction to this is going to be? I'll um honestly I, I do think it it will be quite bad i've heard that in the uk they might be um looking into 
further austerity measures, which um, it's like no secret that they they have contributed to wealth inequality and like increased inequality in general. So, but there's a part of me that thinks governments sort of will try and gloss over it and like in terms of elections and stuff like the next UK election the government's going to be able to gloss it over and be like oh we were only bad because of this like big thing we couldn't control don't blame us it's not our fault and people are still gonna be kind of fooled by that and still end up voting for the same people and there's not going to be this sort of like radical change that I've seen a lot of people talking about like online that's quite cynical so but okay so but your your argument is is that there isn't there isn't going to be radical change i.e we're going to stick with the status quo we're going to continue having a kind of conservative government um is, is this conservative government going to act in our interest like are we and and by our interest i hope that doesn't mean legalizing murder for some time i really hope it doesn't mean that ever but um (laughs) I don't know. Maybe a bit, but like they're going to struggle to because of money and stuff like that. And they, as despite the fact that like this is all very unprecedented and difficult, like the interests of Tory governments are still like business and like saving the economy. And that's sort of shown in how like Boris is managing this whole situation. And I just think. The cynical part of my brain is thinking that it will just come out of like, will come out and he'll say that he's acting in our interests whilst completely not and just sort of try and trick people and still act in the interests of big businesses and elites like they kind of always have. It's very much the vibe of the movie. uh, And I'm sure I'm sure I'm spoiling some of the later conversation of like the government says one thing. Hey, you know, this is this is good for you. This is going to be great for you. And then really it's to get rid of homelessness and the poor so that they don't have to pay, you know, for social security and they don't have to, to, to like, provide social programs because all the poor people are dead. Exactly. Um, which I, I kind of just now had, a, like, an internal giggle at the notion that the NFFA, the, the new founding fathers, or the NFF, whatever, whatever they're called. NFFA, um, yeah. In, yeah, in this movie... They're probably a government who are fine, like, legalising murder, but still probably haven't legalised marijuana. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Very much the vibe. I, I don't know. This film made me uncomfortable, I'd say. Like, not in a bad way, but in, like, a... In... This feels too real. Like, it feels too <laughs> much like life. Like, I'm, I've just gone back to, like, look at what the newsreel bit was, and it's, like, in a recession worse than 2008... And, like, talking about, like, a hard right group, like, coming, like, becoming more um, powerful in America and protests and, like, all this stuff that feels very much like what you see when you actually turn on the news. (laughs) It's dad's scary. It is. And it's one I'm hoping when this comes out next week um people can can look at the news and go what are you on about what the news is fine like we're talking about how like roses and kittens are uh are like the new trend everybody's got a rose and a kitten um but i feel like that probably won't be the case um by next week by next week uh you know i mean i my original thought was that 
the George Floyd thing was going to blow over. Now, I think part of it not blowing over, and I did kind of mention this like subtly, was because there have been riots and like protests in the States. And if that didn't happen, then maybe people would have forgotten. But had there not been protests, he would have been a hashtag that had lasted like a week. Mm. No, it's it's a sad truth. It is. Um, one of my friends, uh, and uh, you tell me if you agree with this or not. One of my friends, uh, Ella, who we mentioned the last recording, I think. I don't know if it'll be the last podcast you guys listened to, but in the last recording we did, um, she, her and I have been having kind of constant conversations about all of this. And the last one, um, she was like, you know what really gets my goat? She didn't say that, but you said, you know, what really gets my goat uh, is that if it weren't for lockdown, and if our lives weren't disrupted, it probably wouldn't have even got half as much attention as it did. Um, and, like, that feels kind of true. That feels like, you know, how many different things have gone on? How many different uh, crimes and murders and, 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 and sort of how many people have been brutalized by the police? Uh, and nobody's kind of noticed. And is it is it correlation or is it causation at the fact that suddenly when life as we know it has stopped, people have finally been able to stop and think about it. I think it's correlation. I don't think it's necessarily, like, the fact that everyone's... Like, I don't think lockdown and that sort of thing caused, like, this to happen. But I think it's definitely increased the amount that people engage with it because you've got time to sort of spend your days reading about stuff like this on the news and, like, educating yourself and sort of engaging. And also... People who haven't been outside for weeks and months, like, as much as protests aren't about that, like, I think attendance of, like, peaceful protests in the UK is definitely higher just because people are kind of bored, which I can't tell if that's a good (laughs) thing or a bad thing. But, like, I went to one in Hemel the other day, and, like, there was a climate strike in Hemel a couple of months ago, and I think, like, eight people came. There was a Black Lives Matter (laughs) protest yesterday, and 200 people came. Like, it just feels slightly like people are just going to their board. Or not just going to their board, but it's like, if it wasn't for lockdown, people would be able to come up with excuses to not go. But because yeah. they can't, then... Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't necessarily think it's causation. I also think in the way that George Floyd was murdered, like there, I haven't yet heard any excuses. So a lot of the other cases, like, oh, they were resisting... Or they were running away. They looked like they were holding a weapon, mm. or like anything like that. Whereas this, mm. like the entire murder, the whole nine minutes had been videoed, so there was no excuses. There was no cuts in the tape or anything. And it was the fact that there was four police officers surrounding, surrounding this one man with one of the police officers on his neck. There was no way that anyone could excuse this to say, "Oh, this man, like he's been threatening the police officer." Yeah. So I think. That, in a sense, the lack of excuses for racists or for anybody else to say, oh, well, you know, the police officer's scared most life, I do think is probably one of the biggest causes as to why riots broke out and or protests. And those are the fact that people are just tired. Like, this isn't the first yeah. murder. And it, probably, and it isn't the last either. I was going to say, like, it's... it's... I, I agree with you. I don't. Th- I I wouldn't necessarily say like causation. I I do. I can agree with you. I I think I I don't think it'd be as much of a talking point. Like I think it'd be a week's worth of talking point, kind of like you were saying before. Um, 
and it's one it what fr- what does frustrate me the most is and um i'm trying to link it back to the movie and I'll, I'll see i'll see what i can do um what does frustrate me the most is uh this this idea that this is a new thing that people are frustrated with and also this idea that the protests that are going on are specifically about george floyd like a lot of the news articles and i guess this this links into actually our next point but a lot of the news articles that i read or that i see kind of you know rolling when i've got the tv muted and i'm working is protests in uh protests in response to george floyd's murder and like no no i mean it is it is in response to george floyd's murder but it's more in response like if this was a one-time thing i don't think the pro it's it's the fact this is a systemic thing it's the fact this is wider and i think when you when you write articles that say this is in response to one man's murder it kind of reduces the legitimacy of a lot of the protest here but i think more so the protests in america where like people are pissed people are really angry and rightfully so um but in that in response to how people are talking um what what uh, this is another lucy thing what was the whole deal with propaganda in the press in your mind um what i was gonna say is just like it was in an article i was reading but it was also sort of something that came to my mind is the sort of the new finding fathers the political group and the way that they are sort of controlling the narrative in this in the story like at the beginning um sort of trying to promote the purge even though there's like protesters and stuff going on and like they are controlling like the way that the media talks about it somehow i don't know how they got all that power all of a sudden but they've got all this power over the media but they're still sort of trying to create the illusion that it's not like that Mm. and i just think that's an interesting comparison to like life because and real world the real world yeah do you do you guys trust i'm gonna start with the uk news do you guys trust news in the uk no not really it depends on which news source but even then see for me i i you know i i try not to read a particular newspaper i like the times i'll i'll say that like of newspapers i will buy i tend to buy the times and read the guardian online like i the the what what i'll tend to do is if i read something in in the times and i know the times is kind of a it's centrist right-leaning newspaper um whatever i if i read something in the times and the guardian says the same thing i'm like okay cool this is true this is real this is like a thing if i read something in the guardian and the times says something a bit different then i'll find the points to which what they say is the same and i'm like this is the news everything else is opinion um and i think that that is something that more people need to do but i'm wondering why i'll start with touching again why why don't you trust the news that we listen to and um, so something that i like noticed um, a couple of months ago now was when this when the pandemic started in the uk or when it reached the uk and how not many news sources or hardly any that i've noticed were um, holding the government accountable to their actions or pointing out the government's failure in acting quickly especially in considering that we had we were three weeks ahead of italy so we technically had absolutely no excuse to be in the position that we are now and it's the lack of um accountability from these news sources or these newspapers that i don't trust the news um trust the news as much 
And especially like if we take into account Stephen Lawrence's case um, that happened over 20 years ago, that the only newspaper to properly report that was the Daily Mail. So if it takes takes the Daily Mail to properly report um, a a racial crime, then that concerns me. I'd agree with that. Like, I think coronavirus for me has definitely made the news and also just everything like it's just made everything feel a lot less trustworthy somehow. Like in terms of stuff the government's saying, like in their own press releases, stuff like even to an extent stuff the BBC puts out about it, just sort of everything seems like there's something to be covered up and it's about like making people a mixture of making people calm like trying to lie to people to almost I don't know what I mean but like appease them I guess like to sort of make sure no one's too stressed but also sorry oh like there's that and there's also like a sense of like trying to like big it up almost like they're trying to do both at once and it's really weird See, I wouldn't say bigger up. I would say that whatever article you were reading is trying to appease to their reader. So it's trying to almost confirm the reader's worldview. Um, so, you know, if you read The Guardian, it's going to be more critical of a conservative government, specifically like Boris Johnson's conservative government. Um, whereas, like, you know, if we do that dichotomy, The Times is going to be... Uh, or no, specifically The Telegraph. Bloody hell, The Telegraph is going to like lap up anything the government does. So like to that degree, yeah, don't fully trust it. But I time-wise I think I think the biggest thing, the biggest issue with newspapers now is and this is going to come out wrong, but it's almost the drive to be impartial makes them less trustworthy because often kind of like you're saying Toshi that they don't report on things as quickly as they should because they're waiting for like no we need the confirmation we need we need to be sure about this we we can't we can't retract anything which sometimes reduces the extent you know they wouldn't we can't report on George Floyd's murder until we know everything about George Floyd's murder meanwhile on Twitter everybody is seeing this image and you don't hear it from the Guardian or or from from BBC until like you know a day and a bit later I think that but that's there needs to be like this line toad. I don't know if that made any sense. But I just no, um, you made sense, but also that's interesting because a lot of sort of stuff in terms of like talking about the news at the minute, a lot of the problem with the news at the minute is that it's too much of like a 24 hour news cycle. It's too much focused on like trying to get stuff out all the time. The problem, like with what you're saying of them trying to wait for sort of wait until everything's confirmed before publishing anything also works the other way of sort of news outlets like jumping to be the first to report on an issue and like first to sort of show say their bit if that makes sense yeah i mean the 24-hour news cycle i think is more of an issue in the states which which i i which is where i think that the 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 movie is is coming from in that here 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think here it's less clear um, whether um, politicians have an influence in what happens and what is said on the news. Now, there was, I think it was the Daily Mail, an article which literally underneath the title was said, uh, sponsored by the UK government, which is insane. Yeah, I saw um, that. Like that's, I think Seth shared it. Um, okay. Like that's insane. But in in the states, it's like yeah, no, I um I don't know if you guys watch. There's a HBO TV show called The Loudest Voice, uh, but it was about this like Fox News starting up and how Rupert Murdoch was very much in the pocket of a lot of uh, U.S. politicians and how that was ideological to the tenth degree. Um, but my biggest criticism of the BBC is that uh, kind of going back to it that they almost try so desperately not to be ideological um and that backfires and i don't get people who argue that the that the bbc is biased because i don't know who they're biased to because i hear conservatives and liberals saying um, i agree that to an extent if you look at the type of people that they invite like onto the bbc to speak and the people that they give a platform i think the fact that they try so hard to seem impartial makes it problematic because there are some people that just shouldn't be given a platform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. It's just true. There are some people who don't need a platform. And if and if a lot of these um, people who are given a platform who are like right-wing, who have extreme views, mm. I do think that to an extent then that means that they're leaning towards right-wing and people to get them a platform in the first place. What they'll do is they'll be like, okay, so here is somebody who will tell us that climate change is real and tell us that the world is round. And they'll be like, here is somebody that says that climate change isn't real and that the world is flat. And like, th like that's insane. That's an insane thing that you have somebody coming in and arguing that A, climate change isn't real and that B, the world is flat. Um, you know, but... I don't know if that makes them biased. Like, I think that makes the world and new system screwed up. But I don't think it's like, oh, you're you're you are no longer impartial. You are favoring another side. Like, I was just gonna say that, like, the thing with the BBC being impartial, like, regardless of whether or not they actually are and how true that is. But the problem with anything trying to be impartial is that no one feels like they're on their side. Yeah. Um, so everyone feels like they're backing the people that are against them, even if that's not true. Even if the BBC mm. was as impartial as it could possibly be, it still, no one would feel like they were being backed by it, and then by default, you feel like they're backing the other side. Because I agree with everything you're saying. Um, beyond impartiality, there is like this this control that the government has just by being the government, and in what they say and what they release. Like, I loved, and this is why I think freedom of press is so bloody important, why it scares me and frustrates me that you have CNN reporters being arrested um, whilst they're um, talking about and, and reporting on a protest, and why it's really bloody scary that there are uh, photographers and reporters getting shot with rubber bullets because we need the press to um, interrogate and articulate what is wrong and what is going on in the government much like uh here when you know somebody I, i'm gonna say dominic cummings no not dominic cummings who's the health who's the health secretary Je matt matt hancock, matt hancock right? yeah yeah 
when Matt Hancock goes, yeah, we are doing 200,000 tests a day, uh, it takes, and they're, do they're showing that on the BBC, they are showing that on their press conferences. Um, somebody in the press goes, actually, I think you'll find you're not doing 200,000 tests a day, or you are, but that's misleading. You are not testing 200,000 people, you are testing so-and-so people because some of these are double tests. Um, and like that is an important distinction, important thing that like freedom of press um, supplies. Um, and also why I think we do have freedom of press here. Um, so I kind of end this section of it. Do we have freedom of press here? Um, I think so, because from um, we discussed this in politics um, a few months ago, but in the UK, as far as I'm aware, all um, news sources are private, privately owned. So in that sense, we do have freedom of press because they're, they're not controlled by government organisations. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. And I think, like, mostly we have freedom of press, like, like in, in writing, like in, the, the I don't know what the word is. We, like, we should have freedom of press, basically. But I think that here more than the US it's hard it's easier for places that like news outlets that are just sort of chatting rubbish like spreading fake news and stuff like that it's easier for that to get called out and sort of shut down in the uk people don't yeah. really i don't know if it's the public or the government or other news outlets i don't really know where it comes from but there's not as much of a tolerance for that here and so to that extent like it's not as big of a problem. Mm. Something that stood out to me when watching the film, like especially when it got to that point where they had sent in mercenaries and the militia to kill people, was the use of the KKK and um, black face masks, especially mm. when they were like um, storming the buildings and murdering people. And I don't know, like, what did you guys think about the message behind that? Like the government's mm. use of white wing groups to like murder predominantly poor black and brown people um i one of the things that like that made me think about was like i don't know the way that they sort of advertised i don't think that's the right word but the way that they advertised the purge was that it was the people doing the purging and then the fact that it was like the government intervening under the guise of like right-wing groups it just feels very it's just a very like blatantly obvious way of saying what everyone's thinking if that makes sense <laughs> like i've seen a lot of tweets i've seen a tweet going around that's like the reason you don't see police intervening at kkk meetings is the same reason you don't see hannah montana and miley cyrus in the same room <laughs> and like that's kind of the sort of same sort of message that this makes me think of of like yeah like in the real world like people are protect everyone pretends that they're not terrible people but like the purge has just gone ah fuck it look they are the kkk like subtlety out the window i i love how unsubtle this movie is um it's one of my i watched this in the cinema and i came home and one of the things that just kind of stood out to me was like that movie it's like screw subtle messages screw having motifs and like small things that like you know the audience could or couldn't pick up on let's just blatantly get this out there um and a lot of this but i'm, I'm going to slightly de detract from this and then come back a lot of this movie was like 
huge homages to like political events i don't know if you guys remember the scene where a weird creepy guy with a baby mask comes and like grabs uh sexually assaults the woman um and she says pussy grabbing motherfucker um i i think i'm relatively sure that's a reference to donald trump yeah, and uh, the gr- grabbing by the pussy thing um apologies for the language there for anybody listening to this but that is what he said that is what the president of the united states said so you know um and I, all of that was amazing. And with the, the KKK thing and everything else, um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's true. You know, I'm not going to argue that the American government uh, are just a wing of this sort of, of sort of a racist white supremacy group, because I don't I don't think I don't think it's true because I don't think any group is that smart. I don't think any group is that smart to embed themselves within a the government and be able to manipulate sort of the world. Um, my mum has these cool, like, crazy theories about how Corona... She doesn't really believe this, but, like, you know, we'll entertain it in conversation. Corona isn't real. It's all this, like, weird way to test people, um, how we can conduct experiments um, whilst, you know, keeping keeping the mass populace uh, inside and scared. And I'm like... They're just not smart enough. Like, Boris Johnson just isn't smart enough. Like, that's not really possible. I think Boris but... Johnson's very smart. No, no I agree. No. Right. I think it's the that, way that he, he knows himself. exactly what he's doing. No, no, no. I agree. I, I the fact that he presents himself as a complete buffoon makes people think, oh, he's not smart enough to do any of this. That's see, you're giving you're giving him. You guys are giving him way too much. I'm credit. not giving him credit. Um, I think he's a horrible, you... terrible person, but. I, I really like do think, see... it's something I think about a lot, but I think that no. Boris Johnson is so smart. Okay, well, I, I have, I, I'm of little faith, both in Trump, both in, both it's in not Johnson and the system. We have faith in them, but it's just, I do think that they're completely aware of what they're doing, and I don't think that what we see is necessarily all that is happening. I do believe that there is a lot more going on than what we know. So, for example, okay, yes, we see Boris and the way he presents himself with his messy hair and the way he speaks, and we think, oh, what an idiot. But what if that is, what if that's just a facade for us to believe, oh, like, we can't give him enough credit for him to actually be capable of these things. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that I think there is more to what we actually see. I think so. I think so with Boris. I think with Trump, I think he is genuinely just thick. But Boris, like, just everything he does, it's all been such a plan for, for so long. And it's everything he no. does is such a character. It's so calculated. And he wants you to hey. think he's stupid so that you don't hold into account and so he can have this sort of every man kind of trait and people like him rather than think he's just, like, horrible. Is it an act? Sure. Is it as smart as you say? Like, is it an act like a way of manipulating the way the, that we see the news and everything like we see in this movie? Sure. Is it smart? I don't think so. I it, Literally, my dream last night uh, was uh, Boris Johnson coming to me and asking for help because he just he'd, he'd put on the act so long and it gotten too far. Like, I kind of imagined him uh like oh yes in his family home loving rub with rhubarb and somebody was like wouldn't it be funny if you ran for mayor with that like as a joke and he was like oh yeah that would be so good and he did his like uh oh yeah the the winston churchill um dog thing and um 
and then he then he ran and then he was successful and then he became an mp and then you know all of this but in the end of it it's all like no this is too much it's gone too far i'm not ready for this that's how i imagine the story but that's my belief in the system and everything else and kind of why i don't think you know the kkk are running the u.s government but i do think those images relate to a lot of what people are talking about now where the system is there and oppresses people of color like that it doesn't matter whether you know the mercenaries are literal white supremacists or not but what they are doing is akin to jim crow laws uh and are akin to these sort of systemic issues at hand um that's that was kind of what i got from from a lot of their things you know um and how you know to be fair in america there are there are politicians who kind of previously were members of um extremist white supremacy and 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 whatnot groups um but yeah did that was that does that kind of answer the question i get your point but i do i remember seeing this in a documentary a while ago and it was talking about the kkk and like their activities and how difficult it was to prosecute them in the first place because of how many um, congressmen and politicians were actually members of the KKK. And mm. I'm, I'm not mm. sure if you've seen this, but um, I read somewhere that they raided a police officer's house or they go into his house somehow and they found um, an application to the KKK. So it's not... I do think that there is definitely somehow the KKK must have ties with the American government as they always have had in some way or shape or form. But then I agree with your point that the use of um, right-wing extremist groups to um, kill people in the past is, like, I guess, a symbol of mm. like how the system oppresses people of colour and specifically black people. It's it's one it's one another one where. Uh, you know, and maybe maybe this is you know it, it could be that I am just so fucking wrong. Um, in that I you know I, there is a, a larger conspiracy going on, but not you know obviously not as a job. But I've worked in and worked with people in like systems of bureaucracy, and it, they're just not like the world. To quote Chris Rock, the world and government are run by b and c grade students the world is not run by the people who got a stars uh they are currently physicists working at like the cern hadron collider they aren't you know writing government policy i mean no it's, because I don't know. physicists wouldn't have studied the same things as people who write government policy you, you, look, that was that very was... stem prioritizing of you that was okay that was it was hyperbolic that's not okay. very nice. I'm sorry my analogy didn't reach out to the music and the arts students out there. They're off dancing to High School Musical 2 right now, because it's the best High School Musical movie. Uh, anybody who disagrees with me can at me. I, I um, will at you. But my... <laughs> my like, you, know what I, you know what I'm kind of saying in that it, it's just my general belief that the, the system isn't that smart, but it's ingrained with these 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 systems of, of persecution and racism. Um... And that's, I, I think if I were to criticise this movie a bit more, it's that it kind of says, look, the system is against us. But it doesn't quite say how. Like, it says economically. Like, there's a very clear, in the fact that people are incentivized through money to stay and to kill. 
um it says like you know economically people are impoverished impoverished but i think that's more there is more to um racist institutions than just money yeah definitely and i do i do know what you mean like i sort of this sort of thing of the government being very smart and sly and really being run by these institutions like it's something that i think is possible but like I don't think even if that's not the truth, like it's more subtle than that, if anything. And it's more like for with Trump as an example, like the way that racist like institutions and people and the people is what I mean, like the way that racism is like surviving and thriving even under Trump is not literally because the KKK are in charge, but it's more sort of the... I'm really struggling to, el- like, eloquentness. That's not really a good word either. Um, Eloquently saying. Yeah, I. It's not. It's not a direct influence necessarily, but it's the, the way that his attitudes are, and the way that the people he chooses to hire, and the things that his government chooses to focus on, I think is what causes the problems. And it's not. We haven't necessarily spoken about it, and I don't know if we will, but. The other question that we had of like psychological, like whether scientific research is political, I think that is another one of the ways that like systematic racism can be a thing beyond money. Um, Mm. And that is even in the less sort of sinister parts of this, of not being literally run by these horrible supremacist groups, it's more what we support and what gets funded and what gets focused from the media and the government and from everyone that has a Mm. bigger impact than it's necessarily like known to i think no i agree and i i think that's a very good point because i we are we are pushing for time but i lost this last is from that is psychological scientific research political And, and we say this because um in this movie there is there you have the the politician who's pushing for this purge but you also have like and, and and really like earnestly you have a scientist who's like no i've done the research i think this is a good thing i think this is a thing that's going to work now she's proven wrong because the government have to tamper with it for the purge to seem successful but it, it begs the question is is psychology is is psychological and or scientific research political? I think it can be. Um, for example, if we're using the purge, um, so she designed this test, right? So she designed the idea behind the purge, but she didn't, from what she said, that she didn't design it in order to fit any like political ideal. And <clears throat> I think if <clears throat> the research is specifically carried out to provide specific evidence in order to push for a political um agenda then i think in that case it ca- it is political because they did carry out um the psychologist idea of the purge in order to push uh, to provide certain, yeah exactly to provide certain evidence that they needed in order to push for a nationwide purge which um to get rid of the lower classes well, Lucy, you reference like funding for for research. Um, I was going to ask, do you have any? Because I have I have a couple of like 
related uh, ideas for for things that were politically funded research that was politically funded um i know that cigarettes back in the uh late 20th century there were a lot of research uh funded by the government that was like hey can you guys show us like the the smoking cigarettes is good for you um and then somebody came back and went here are all the reasons why cigarettes are good for you uh which is clearly bullshit um but i was wondering if you had anything else to enlighten our our lovely listeners there's probably examples within coronavirus that like we don't necessarily know yet but i can imagine Mm. that boris is going to people hey can you like whip up some proof that wearing a mask helps and like show me some proof that you need to do this (laughs) like yeah but i i haven't got any actual examples i wouldn't say well it's, it's people who are saying um hey you should uh you should People who are criticizing the government's response to coronavirus going like, hey, you guys acted a bit too slowly. Hey, you guys are releasing too early. And the government like, no, 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 we've got we've got proof. It's going to be OK. It's going to be fine. Um, meanwhile, the, like there are other people in the scientific community, independent people within the scientific community kind of going, eh, I think you're probably wrong about this one. Um, and that's fascinating. And I will I, I think there's something you alluded to as well that I'll bring up is. You know, when research studies are specifically done only on a, say, a white audience or a male audience, um, you are not getting the whole breadth of information that you could be. And that's why things disproportionately affect different groups. Um, Black women are more likely to die in childbirth, uh, more likely to be given incorrect medicine. Um, People who aren't treated for sickle cell in the right that i read a great post that was about somebody who was like hey i have sickle cell i was living in the north in a place that was predominantly white and i had sickle cell and they really didn't treat me well because they just didn't have any knowledge or understanding of how to treat these issues and then i went to a city in the south and like suddenly i got treated for sickle cell correctly and sickle cell is a it's a um genetic issue uh that causes sickle shaped blood uh cells that clot uh, your veins and and can sort of lead to high blood pressure and and long pain in your life. Um, that's kind of an example of how research and everything not like is political, but but more so is uh, violent and violent in like the systemic systemic sense. Sorry, that was a mouthful. Um, is that kind of what you were referring to? Yeah, no, completely. That's what I was trying to say. Is like. It's about, one, what kind of research that governments decide to fund in terms of universities and, like, big things like that, but also in terms of when the people who are actually doing the research can make it political themselves by who they choose, like, exactly how you said. And that's why stuff affects different groups differently. It's not just because... Well, sometimes it's because they're more susceptible to it, but generally it's a result of testing. And, like... um what was it there's a drug that i think you learned about at like gcse biology where a bunch of pregnant women died oh this is um uh um oh it's then the, the kids were all deformed yeah i can't remember what it's called but like because that in its initial trials as whatever it was first intended for was never tre- tested on pregnant women like I feel like that has like everything has like a trickle down, not trickle down. Thalidomide. Uh, thalidomide. Yeah. Yes, thalidomide. 
Um, yeah, and that 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 would that would show long term issues with gender in scientific research as well, which is something that exists. Um, and it's it's one it's a reason why in in response to because I'd also like to say uh, when people read articles that say uh, black and minority ethnic people uh, are more likely to catch and die from coronavirus, that's not a genetic thing. Like it's it really frustrates me when that's like people read something that they don't read the full article no it's because of the large amount of um systemic issues around the livelihood and the living of people if you pack more people in more places which you do with council estates and everything else then clearly you are more likely to catch corona i live because i um am not uh affluent enough to have a a a big single house with a long large garden and everything else i live in a flat i live in a flat in a lift uh that i share with six other households so if i get corona and i go outside and i press the button on the lift i'm more likely to catch it um if i work in a manual job like building or in a job like being a nurse then i'm more likely to catch it um you know these are these are the issues these are the things uh that mean and you know we can get anna on it and talk about how architecture is racist um because i'm sure she would have some interesting things to say but like it's people need to kind of be aware of the the large amount of things that we're talking about when we say that that's you know systemic racism it is it's all of these things and i'm really happy that one of the things that have come out of the George Floyd murder in the UK is a petition to teach people about the effects of colonialism a lot earlier than universities. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it depends on how they teach about colonialism. Because if they carry on with more or less the same extent of why I've had so far in school, which was, oh, like Britain had an empire, and then a girl asked, oh, does Britain still have its empire? And the teacher says, no, she goes, oh, what a shame. Well, realizing like the cost that when it comes to have an empire in the first place, like yeah, properly understand what it means to have an empire, and I think it depends a lot on how they portray Britain's role in colonialism. If they say, "Oh, mm. yeah, we colo- we colonize these countries," but then there are pros and cons to every situation, then I think it doesn't help anything at all. I remember yeah. my brother had his homework for his school, which was to look at the pros and cons of colonialism. And personally, I don't think that's something appropriate. So if that's how they teach about colonialism, then I don't necessarily think it would be helpful. If they went beyond that and also taught about white supremacy and white privilege and racism in its like systemic and institutional form, then I think mm. then it would be mm. helpful. But otherwise, I don't think so. No, I agree. It allows It allows you to go... Well, yeah, like there was kind of a genocide vibe to it, but also we gave India the railways, and isn't that just great? Which isn't even true. Like, okay, fair enough, they gave yeah. railways to these countries, but they were based on pathways that were there before colonialism. Like, I know, for example, in Nigeria, they teach people that this white man who was who was alive in the 19th century discovered a river that people have been using there for centuries, and that's what they teach people. So it, I do think it depends on how they portray it. I get very stuck between a sort of, yeah, it can change and it will, like, it will help mindset and, like, a no, it's going to be rubbish forever, like, no one will ever do this properly. 
It's it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be rubbish forever. But I think it does. What it does need is us to fight and for us to push and for us to have these conversations, uh, and not be afraid to criticize things. Like one of the, you know, I we need to say okay yeah there's an issue and what can we do and we need somebody like we need somebody to go okay how about we change the education system and somebody says this and then somebody like touching up and said hey no 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 okay no but you got to do it right and then you know that's how we that's how we progress uh and i find you know with all the discourse online what i've tried to do is i've tried to add my own spin of of positively adding nuance to the discourse and to the conversation so you know people are like hey i'm upset about this and i'm like hey cool you're upset about that let's talk about representation in the media and how representation in the media has a large effect you know so now on my instagram and i forgot to do it for the last two days because we had the blackout and then life happened it for a day um but instead i'll you know instead i'll go okay let's let's talk about good representation of people of color let's talk about like one of my biggest issues now we're kind of going into broad conversations before we finish up today's episode um one of my biggest issues is a lot of people are like, hey, do you want to watch documentaries about um, to learn about oppression of black people? Here are these things about A, slavery, or B, like, you know, disproportionately being affected by the criminal justice system. So, they, you know, now they see us in all these movies and things I've not seen. Um, a, like, if you living as a person of color, not everything is about oppression. Um, I don't know about you guys. Uh, but me and also my friends who are POCs, like not, not my life is nothing like now, now, now they see us. I've never been, um, I've never been accused of, of assaulting a woman in a park. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but I, you know, even if you're living in America, I think it's important to show how oppression is beyond just, um, the criminal justice system to the education system to uh relationships and sex and everything else uh and i think by only highlighting slavery and civil rights and documentaries about slavery and civil rights i think you are missing a part of the bigot because everybody learns about the civil rights movement if you take history like that's just a yeah. thing and i think there, there are people who i know who take history who are still ignorant to the racism that exists today um and so that's my rant. That's my rant related to the movie, kind of, you know, and but related more to current events. So if you guys have any rants before I ask you lastly about the movie, then please, please do let it out or response. Um, yeah, I do agree with you. I think especially um, how we frame oppression, those who create um, a narrative specifically about black people, if the only, if the only documentaries are about the civil rights era and... Um, mass incarceration then it frames a kind of narrative that either we are only victims of being falsely accused of crime or that we have committed this crime in the first place and i think it then loses like it kind of dehumanizes in a way if you get mm. what i mean people of color and especially black mm. people think it's important when uh, referring to black specific issues say black people anyways and then kind of like it makes it very one-dimensional if that makes sense well, it's it, like you're saying with the dehumanization, we become, we become our issues rather than we become people who have experienced issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say sort of in response to your thing is that I think it is great that people are sort of on social media being like, watch this documentary about oppression, read this book about oppression, like educate yourself. But I think 
to get beyond that and to get beyond race and racism being a thing that is just um, this is going to come out weird but I'm just going to say it anyway that is just like something that white people have to learn about how bad it is and how they can like sort of like counteract it and be anti-racist and that is obviously important and like very very valuable but to get it to be beyond that I think normalizing just like black people and them having lives and like preach (laughs) like I know that's stupid but the sort of I've seen a lot of stuff today like because obviously as the conversation develops people are bringing up new issues and new things to think about and today a lot of what I've been seeing is like following more black like creators and influencers online and I saw a post just before I came on this podcast that was like quick name 10 black influencers you follow or like 10 black creators you follow and I couldn't and that is embarrassing in a way but also just like I think that's something that's really important to be aware of as well as educating yourself on all the sort of horrible oppression slavery etc stuff I think just normalizing being inclusive in everyday life and representation helps a lot more you know I agree I don't think you're wrong I do not think you're wrong I've been trying to write a poem about this and it's it's not I've not finished it yet it's not come out yet um and it's kind of it's trying to talk about you know um racism and and everything else and and you know it's difficult but one of the lines and i this this is kind of making me realize why it's in there because before i was like it feels out of place but it's not is um i'm 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 not a black writer um sorry i'm not a black poem not a black writer just like she's not a fucking female firefighter um and we're not there yet like i think if we're at the point where people are like hey go and follow black influencers then we're not there yet but the next step after that is to stop seeing them as black influencers yeah um like uh, everybody um you know usually if we have time we do this but as like recommending things to watch or to read or whatever but everybody needs to go and read Rinze kine's play misty because it very much pushes this forward. It pushes this 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 understanding of uh, the black narrative isn't a thing. It is seen as a thing, and it's a thing that consumes people of color as well. Um, you know, it, I very much I sit and I get I get um, I, you know I'm, I I write I play right, and somebody's like, hey, can you write a play? You know, hey, we're looking for diversity in the industry. Can you write a play? Can you, a young black teen, write a play? And I'm like, yeah, cool. I want to write a play about these two people they used to date and they're stuck in a room. And that's not the play that they want. They want to play about being black. They want to play about being a young black teen. And I'm like, fuck off. That's not that's not my life. My life. I like. I'm a black writer who is going to write a play about whatever the fuck I want to write a play about. Just like black influencers are going to influence whatever the fuck they want. They're not going to influence you specifically about being yeah. a black person. Um, and when we can get to that point is going to be... <laughs> um, okay. Tochi. Well, we, we we spoke about this movie. We did. We actually spoke about this movie and everything we said was related to this movie. I just cannot remember like actually critiquing it. But Tochi... How would you rate this movie by itself as a movie that you watched and saw? How would you, what would you think? Um, I really like the way um, they incorporated music. Um, I like, I like the actors, especially Dimitri, who was on this show, um, Insecure, that I recently finished. Insecure is great. 
Right. She's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Like, 10 out of 10 would definitely recommend. But all in all, I thought the movie was great, especially in its reference to um, the current situation. And, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Give it So give it a grade out of 10? Uh, I'd say 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 as a movie, and as a political vehicle, what would you give it? Like a 9.5 or 10. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> Lucy, what would you give it as a movie first? Those are far more positive responses than CJ, and I respect <laughs> that. Um, I think I'd give it, an, as a movie, like a 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, because okay. as much as I enjoyed it, it's not really something I'd enjoy watching, so that downgrades it. And as a political vehicle, a political vehicle? I'd honestly, I think I'd give it like a 9 9.5 because yep. I just love how blatantly obvious it is I think it's great <laughs> that it's just like yeah we're saying that and what like it's true I'm with you on that one I, I also I have one thing I'll say about this movie is I love it up until the last 20 minutes where I get a bit of a headache that happened when I watched it in the cinema and that happened when I watched it at home I think it's a pacing issue um, like you have 20 minutes 30 minutes of nothing really happening at the beginning and then a whole hour of just like intensity um of purging and that to me was a bit much um but kind of like you say there is so much to talk about with this movie uh so much i wish we had time to talk about how it treats its pocs um like what's the solution to a corrupt system kind of lots of different conversations about morality uh and it's great it's a lovely movie but I'm going to have to give it a 7.5 as a movie in itself. I'd watch it again. But boy, was that kind of a, a racking on my brain as a political vehicle. Like you guys say, there is so much to talk about. Uh, I'd have to give it a 9 because it is very what it's saying is very true. I think the only issue is that it doesn't do enough to broadly critique structural racism. It kind of hints at things, but I'd like... I'd like a, a better articulation of the argument. And that was our conversation. I really hope you enjoyed. Uh, special thanks to Tochi for coming on board. We didn't go deep, deep, deep into critically analysing The Purge or The First Purge as a movie in itself, but there was a lot of fun conversations to come off uh, from watching it. That's generally how the podcast works. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, then give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a, a follow on whatever sort of social media device uh, you commonly use and that you are listening to us on right now. We have a YouTube, we have a SoundCloud, we have uh, uh, Spotify and an iTunes-y uh, account where you can find us if this specific uh, platform isn't good enough for you. And we also have Facebooks and Twitters and Instagrams, which we are using to tell you about when we are publishing our episode. So give it all a watch. If you liked us, then great. Tell us. If you didn't like us, then also tell us. Uh, you can email us at thefollyteam at mindlessfolly.com. That's the F-O-L-I-E team at mindlessfolly.com. Tell us what you love, tell us what you hate, and tell us what movie we should do next. Thank you guys for watching. I've been CJ Simon. I've been Lucy Bug. I'm I've been Tokyo. And this has been the Mindless Media Podcast. Thank you.